Welcome to Behind the Bill, podcast by the Webster Auto Collective. I'm your host, Sam Webster, and I'm excited to take you on a journey behind the scenes of the automotive world. Each episode will dive deep into the minds of automotive enthusiasts and professionals, exploring their passion, creativity, and automotive culture. We believe that behind every great build is an even better story worth sharing, and we're here to uncover those stories. From classic cars to modern machines, from racers to collectors, we'll bring you the stories that make the automotive world so exciting and diverse. Whether you're a seasoned gearhead or just love cars, we invite you to take a dive into the minds of a modern-day car enthusiast. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I am here with Jake Holland. Jake is a designer and fabricator that has built some really cool projects. Last year, he built a jet turbine-powered electric drive vehicle that they took to SEMA and is currently working on a Hayabusa-powered off-road race truck. So I'm really excited to be able to talk to him and pick his brain on how he designs things and how he leverages laser cutting services to create the parts that he makes for these amazing designs. So thanks for being on the podcast, Jake. Oh man, thank you for having me. I'm like super stoked to be here. It's, this is awesome. Good man. Well, I think my first question for you is, you know, do you laser cut pretty much every sheet metal part that you use? Because going through your Instagram page, it looks like every little bracket and thing you need, you actually design in CAD or de- design it out of cardboard first transfer to CAD and then have a laser cut part made. Yeah, it kind of depends on, you know, the part that I'm looking to make, right? So if it's a, it's a, a simple tab that I'm going to probably start off with cardboard just because it's the easiest way to like know my dimensions. Um, if it's something that, you know, is like the front suspension on this Hayabusa build, um, right now I'm working on another home built YouTube video with Send Cut Send and that entire thing is in CAD where I designed it, where each component is in a specific spot. Um, so I started it in CAD there, then I check it in cardboard. So I kind of flip back and forth between those, but I'm, I'm also old school, man. Like, you know, I grew up with my dad, you know, in a shop when I was eight and we were like grinding out tabs, you know, with a grinder and drilling them out on a drill press and, you know, whittling them into shape. Um, so I've done it all, you know, I, I have the luxury of having a relationship with Sankat Zen and I believe in their products. So it's one of those things, two different ways to look at it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I've actually used their service. I think this was maybe prior to you working with them or working for them. I designed some overlays for my shock mounts and it was great. I screwed up the design by accident. I had the dimension or it scaled incorrectly and they were, they came back and, you know, recut everything for me for free. And it's a great company to work with. And it was fast too, which is amazing. And so you, as a part of working with Sendcut Sends, took on a pretty wild project the uh the jet ascend right can you tell me yeah a little bit more about that yeah um so jim the owner of Sencut sen um obviously a good friend of mine even before i actually worked for Sencut sen and so about a year ago this time um i was there actually just picking up parts for my own personal stuff and then uh, i actually have the car gear um but he uh, there's these little like kit cars out of sheet metal um that you like wind up and uh he essentially gave it to me and he's like, I want to make a full scale version of this. And I want to be like wind up car, like crazy thing. And we want to take it to SEMA. And I'm a person that just doesn't say no to anything. I'm like, let's do it. And, uh, it took uh, just a total life of its own over the, like the, like the next nine months after that. And so what is it exactly? Like, so you, it's jet powered, right? Yeah. It's, but it's electric drive. It's a hybrid kind of vehicle. I don't know. Um, so uh, the jet engine was like a fun, like this will make it unique kind of throw onto it. So essentially it's got, um, like a 40 horsepower electric motor in the rear 
that's kind of meant for, um, it's, it's based off of an electric co company. They're out of California. They make like electric motorcycle motors. Awesome company. Okay. Um, they were amazing to work with. Um, came with the controller, all of the center bezel and the steering wheel, all of that stuff came with the kit, um, just plug and play. And so that was like one of the few parts that was actually bought for the car. And originally we wanted to make the car wind up. So we wanted to have like a drill you put on the front of it and you wound it up. And then it was like a clutch set up to like, keep it going. Um, it, it just time constraints. We steered away from that pretty early. Um, and then it's like a big, uh, heavy flywheel. Yeah, essentially like a big heavy flywheel and then you could engage off of it whenever you wanted to and it would just, you know, kind of, you could lock it in and freewheel and spool. And then when you wanted to hit bump it again, it would pull again. That was the initial concept. We didn't get too far along with that in the build. Um, only because the second we started looking at that when we were like, we have six months, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to fill the car out of sheet metal completely and also incorporate this crazy contraption inside the whole front of that car. Um, and so we found this electric motor cause that was like essentially a plan B from the very beginning, we're like, well, worst case is we'll make an electric car that is just all sheet metal. And the, the idea of it was to like essentially showcase what Senka can, what Senka Senka can do with their sheet metal services. Um, and so that was the idea, like make every component out of sheet metal, whether we have to bend it, weld it kind of thing, but it needs to be cut from a flat good that's put straight through our website, like everybody else. Um, that was the core. And then like how it was powered was a plan B. Um, the jet engine is a funny story because we just randomly, I think it was in like late July, we had already like essentially started building, not, we hadn't built the car yet, but the car had already taken shape on CAD. And uh, Jim snooping around on Instagram, saw this like um, third scale jet turbine engine like 12 horsepower turbine engine for an airplane. And he's like, let's put this and couple to an alternator to charge the battery that runs the electric motor. I'm right. All right. And so it was just an easy head on. I just added it into the big empty space in the front. And, um, that was actually kind of the easy part in all honesty. So is it a jet engine for like a big, like RC airplane? Yeah. yeah it's a third, like a third scale RC airplane engine. Yeah. Okay. So. What kind of fuel does it run on? Uh, I think we were running on Jet A. Um, okay. We had it actually an issue. So when we bought it from them, just elevation wise, because we're in Reno, uh, we actually had an issue getting it to start here. Uh, we had to like switch different fuels. And we kind of finally got it to light. And then when we went down to Vegas for SEMA, we got it to light like right away um, in the parking lots. Everything was super great. And then on the cruise night, it was crazy cold. And we, I, I couldn't get it to light the entire time in the cruise. Like I kept trying to get it to light and it was blowing smoke, but couldn't get it to fully like oh. scream, but it, it's all fun. Whatever. You know? it, yeah. Right. And so for, for people that don't know what send cut send is, what is it's a, it's a laser cutting service, right? Yeah. It's a, like a rapid manufacturing service that they can have, um, essentially anything with flat sheet metal goods. Um, we have G10 carbon fiber. A lot of different kind of woods, um, plywood, MDF, a ton of different types of plastic, acrylics. And then um, on top of that, we're going to also offer, on top of the cutting service, we also offer CNC bending, tapping, countersinking, hardware installation, like pep nut fasteners, studs, that kind of stuff. Um, we do deburring and then powder coating, anodizing. You can essentially get a full, completely done part if it fits within our standards. So, um, 
Wow. The is that all done in-house? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So we have two locations, nice. um, one's in Reno, Nevada, and the other one's in Paris, Kentucky. Um, so depending on like where you're at in the country, um, we essentially have four different main types of cutting. So we have fiber laser, um, water jet, router, and CO2 lasers, depending on the material. Um, and all that stuff's like on the website. So if you look at that material, it'll tell you what process is going to cut it, um, what's, you know, the different things. So if it's cut on the CNC router, then we're cutting it with a bit. So it's going to have like an internal radius, you know, on your corners of like a, of an eighth of an inch or whatever bit we're using for that. So, um, the, where, where we really, I think shine is the website side of things. It's like, we just have a killer team. It's all internally designed and stuff. And where you can just like drag and drop anything in there and it just tells you exactly um, what it's going to cost and how, you know, gives you all the price breakdowns on quantity and stuff. So we can do one part to thousands of yeah. parts and you can see it without even talking to anybody. Um, that's, that's the big and short end of this. That's really, that's really nice because I've worked with other laser cutters that it's hard to get anybody to even respond to an email if you're doing like a single part or something like that they don't want to touch it unless it's you're doing 30 or 40 or 100 of them and yes. it's a it's expensive they add it, they add on the cost for doing one-off parts so it, to i think just to deter you as a customer so that you don't they do it's not worth their time right i get it yeah oh uh, set up, you guys set up, set up your cost is so much right right and so you guys have optimized all that with upfront pricing and you know, the, the customer service aspect of it from my fuck up was fixed instantly without any extra charge. And I just didn't know what I was doing. Like I, I designed stuff a little bit in, in Fusion 360 and I exported the file incorrectly. I had it scaled wrong and I went, put it up on my shock mask for the overlay and it's like, oh, this is twice as big as it should be. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And a couple emails back and forth and it was fixed. So it's amazing. Perfect. Um, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And so you guys were at SEMA this last year. And so building, building a car out of all sheet metal, like there's no tube in this thing, right? Uh, it's complete sheet metal. Yeah. So essentially, um, the base of it is a quarter inch sheet of, uh, 60, aluminum sheets that I, um, cross braced in. So the slats kind of went into each other and it, it's got vertical and like, um, I guess vertical or horizontal or however you want to kind of call it like cross racing. And then that's the only features that are welded together and it's three sections. So there's a rear section and then they like tongue and groove together into a middle section and the front section tongue and grooves together. Um, so theoretically you can pull like eight bolts and the whole front of the car will come off and then you can pull like oh, really? so eight bolts in the middle of the car comes off. So there's no, the only the bottom is welded, like. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's only stitch welded here and there across the whole entire thing just to tie the whole thing in together. Everything else wow. is nut and bolted. Yeah. Really? That's pretty, that's pretty wild. Cool. I take that it's back. Pretty the, front, the, the front cross member is also got a weld to it where there's like the I-beam structure gotcha. that I kind of made. Um, there's welding yeah. in that too, but. Okay. How much does it weigh? Oh, crap. You're going to ask me that. I forgot it. Uh, it's not very much. It's like, um, it. Four guys, so we actually built it inside of an office and we, four guys picked it up and carried it out of the office sideways. So it was, I think it was in like the 400 pound range, like 420 pounds. I think it's, it's somewhere in that ballpark. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's That's pretty light. Um, 
Yeah, it it was one of those things that like it's you were asking it how how sturdy or structurally good it is. It definitely has like that yeah. dragster like bounce to it, where it kind of floats okay. a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But that was to be kind of expected, right? You know, you're totally right. Shooting in the dark with making what, a sheet metal car. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of tires do you run on it? And are the wheels all made by you guys? I'm assuming they are. So that was one of the few things. Um, so the the wheels, uh, we kind of like play a little trick. The wheels and tires are actually bicycle, like road bike tires. Um, so uh, they they were like a tubeless design, and then we actually sandwiched um the wheels with a cover so they look like they were full sheet metal but inside it was just a standard bicycle wheel um a little trick we played but it was it also like added a lot to the look of the car and with when it just had the like standard spokes but um it just wasn't quite right yeah. but um it looked, yeah we yeah the triple laced uh wheels and stuff the strongest we could get them made and yeah i could see how that would definitely detract from the overall design if it just is like standard bike tire or bike wheel spinning around they look they look super futuristic you can't even almost tell that they're spinning because of how like i mean it's just a complete two sheets on each outside of it right but you can see yeah. the reflection that's what that's what gives you the cue is the light reflecting off of it oh those are spinning it's uh, what kind it of wild yeah uh what, what kind of speed can you do in that thing well we got it up to 55 miles an hour and <laughs> You feel like we're doing about 200. <laughs> Everything is rattling. Um, it, it's it's a little bit sketchy. Uh, it, we we did that. Actually, um, Jim was driving it when we did that. And he went by and he lifted and got on the brakes when he went by us. And there's just a single single rotor in the rear that was ran off of like a handbrake. And he got okay. on the brakes and he went like another 200 yards down the road before he got it like blowed up and up to turn. Like it doesn't... There's a lot to learn, you know what I mean? Like if we did this again, sure. like we'd have it, we'd have it a little bit down, but, uh, and that's the big thing with that car is they went from cab essentially to a fully built car in about 20 hours. So like we, I took it in cab, put it in our system and we cut everything out, bent everything. And then we just had all the parts in the room. And we just built it essentially in like a weekend and it just kind of came together. So there was like little to no testing when we went down the steam. Like we knew it drove, like we drove it around. We're like, ah, oh, it'll make the parade. Um, but it was one of those things that there was a lot to learn from it. Like we could have done it like three months earlier. We would have made some changes to make it a little bit, I don't know, finished more. Right. Fastest SEMA build ever. <laughs> 20 it was, hours. It was why Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of cards in SEMA that are under years. So, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was really cool just to have a car in SEMA in general. Right. I mean, it's not a lot of guys can say that they designed and built a car there. Um, I do have to give credit when we're talking about the wheel covers, um, a different guy. Um, so I designed most of the car, but the, the, the wheel covers were designed, um, by my buddy Drew. He also works at Psychosense. So Drew Miles, he, he designed those wheel covers. I, it completely changed the look of the car. He killed it on those. So yeah, that's amazing. Well, it looks like fun. I, I had a question cause I was looking through some of the, some of the videos that you had posted and you can, I mean. There's fire that comes out of the exhaust, but then there's a bunch of smoke that's coming out of the engine compartment. Is there like, what is, where was all of that coming from? Was it something catching on un, fire? Uh, just an unburnt fuel that wasn't fully, um, lighting off and it was burning on side in like, in the, there's like a chamber on the inside before it goes into the exhaust. 
it would collect fuel there when it was cold and then it would sort of light and it was just smoke just bellowing everywhere. Yeah, it's just the just <laughs> chaos, man. Like it was just us having right. a ton of fun with it and um just yeah. The jet engine was is is so funny because the jet engine is like was like legitimately the last thing we thought about on that car. Uh, and we kind of threw it in there. But it's definitely like the thing that has really made it stand out. Um, and the idea of like a jet engine coupled right. to an alternator, just it's a zoo, man. It was it's really cool to build. Right. But there's I don't know I can't think of another design that's like that out there. So it just has a shaft that comes out of the back through the exhaust manifold. And how do you do you have to slow down? Do you have to slow down the uh, the prop shaft coming out of the jet engine to get to the alternator? It's already on a gear reduction um, just for the prop. Because typically it was straight into a prop and it was going to sit a prop for an airplane. So there was already a gear reduction there. But then we also did a pulley reduction okay. to the alt alternator. And then everything was just, okay. you know, ran on a belt system, on a little cog belt okay. system. Um, yeah, I was trying to definitely, yeah, it's it. The one thing that we also ran into on that is that it's on that clutch setup. And so it waits until a certain amount of RPMs in order to spin the alternator. But that alternator has a lot larger resistance than the prop. And so we had a hard time overcoming. You had to like kind of like pin the jet engine to get past the resistance of the alternator to get it to go spinning. So it was a okay. little stuff that we learned. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it was one of those things that the alternator worked um, not nearly as good as we were hoping it to. Um, gotcha. So will the the charging system keep up with the draw from the electric motor? Like, it, could you just if you had the jet engine going, could you just keep going? Theoretically, yeah. It was like we yeah. calculated it out. If you had a full tank of fuel, um, and then a full charge to start, I think you could go like four hundred and fifty miles theoretically, like on paper with it. So it was a pretty. It was like um, I can't remember it. It because it, it was only a, a two gallon tank that we had in that car, so it was like. 200 like two gallons to get us 400 miles up then and that's like turning it off and on so you could like cruise for 20 miles and then you turn it on and you can run it while it's charging and charge oh. and then you turn it back off and then you could drive for another 20 miles because it's fully charged and steep see um that's that's cool. all it's all theoretical and stuff but it was it was a fun sure. thing to like kind of play around with those numbers um yeah it, it, the, the coolest part in my opinion on that car was the body um, on how it's spaced, each panel is spaced an eighth of an inch out from the other part. Yeah. And then we backlit it to get that effect. Um, that was legitimately one of the first ideas that we had. So it went from essentially that little model to, we want it to look a little bit more like retro 19, 20, 30s indie car. And also we wanted to have this Tron look. And then we like went on the whiteboard and then it just, it started going together. Um, I did like three iterations of like an overall, um, look to it before we actually like, okay, this is what we want it to look like. And I started like deviating. Oh, it looks super cool. It's such a night. Like when you're going, doing the parade at SEMA, watching it cruise down the street, that it just, it stands out against everything else. Cause everything else is just headlights or I guess some underglow, but your whole body is like lit up and just draws the eye to it. Also, it's just weird looking. Like. It's yeah. very not the thing that you see at SEMA. Um, yeah. No one is building open wheel, like little, like single cockpit yeah. car like that. It almost, it gives me vibes of those like original electric vehicles with their, they're trying to go long distances with solar panels on the top. Yeah. Um, 
but it's like so not that because there's smoke and fire puking out of the side of it <laughs> as you're going. That's just, just like a fire breathing dragon that's got solar panels right. on it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's 100% the best way to describe yep. it ever. Yeah, so it's a, I guess it's an electric vehicle if you want to call it that. Hybrid. Hybrid. Yeah, it's a hybrid. Yeah, it's a hybrid. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it's amazing. Um, how long did it take to, to design it? Um, I think so legitimately like on paper, um, I think it was like 220 hours I was on the computer <laughs> that I like know of for sure. There's, it's definitely more than that just with conversations and meetings and like iterations and stuff. But like, I do know that I was like actively working on it for children, like 220 hours, um, which is not that much. No, it's not too bad. And custom build. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, we only did one iteration, right? So if we were to do it again, I'd probably spend that much time just fixing all the crap that we needed to fix. Right. Um, but overall, you know, it went together so seamlessly. Um, yeah, it's just, it was mind boggling. Like, I, like I said, we, we took it from that design phase and then I just put it in the website and it all got cut out. And I think we recut two pieces because of, of like just small little issues. But other than that, like it just went together. Like it was wild. Yeah, dude, that's so cool. And now the project that I first, uh, that got me interested in what you're doing is the off-road racer. I just basically just saw a, a tube chassis and didn't know what you were building. Um, and slowly, you know, figured out, oh, there's a Hayabusa motor that's going in this thing. So is this like off-road race car, like trophy truck style stuff? Is it a rock crawler? What's the idea behind it? Well, it makes two of us that we're trying to figure out what I'm building. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's closer to... What I like to say lately is, is I'm definitely going more in the direction of like a Dakar rally, um, type setup where, um, I don't want necessarily like big whoop kind of, um, energy, but I also want to be able to go through some rough stuff, like living in the desert. I want to be able to take it from my house and just do, you know, send it out through the roads, but a, a little bit more of like gravel road type style stuff with, you know, some bumps and bigger stuff. Um, but yeah, the Hayabusa is the, the trick on that. And that definitely took this, that project took a huge seat while I did this in my car. So I was like head, like moving forward on it. I'd been working on it for like four months at the time when I started the SEMA build. And then it literally just sat stagnant for about nine months while we did the SEMA build. And then I came back around okay. and picked it back up. Now I'm moving on it again. Um, it's got rear suspension and I'm, I'm finishing up the front suspension now. But yeah, the Hayabusa is the trick, man. Like I got it. Yeah, I have it in the front and I have it turned sideways and I made my own bell housing, coupled it to a transmission that, um, if there's any circle track guys listening, it's like a Burt transmission out of like a dirt weight model or mono, uh, IMT and modified. Um, essentially I did that. That gives me a reverse. So I can put it in reverse and I'll have reverse off the motorcycle transmission. So I have like six reverse gears theoretically. And then I have 12 forward gears because it has a, a forward low. So I could run it through all six like gears in the motorcycle transmission and have it in the low gear. Um, but it's a one-to-one -one coupled through dog setup on the high gear. And so it makes it super easy where I can just put it in high and then I just use the clutch and the transmission in the street bike engine. It couples it straight through driveline straight back to like an independent, um, four nine inch 
um, set up in the rear. And then okay. those are going to 934 CVs for a core set up out to the axles. And then I have uh, um, C7 Corvette hubs for the hubs. That's, that's wild, man. So, so dude, <laughs> <laughs> and is it, is it uh, yeah, that's total Frankenstein. Is it uh, two seater, right? Yeah, it's two seater, two seater. And so with, I imagine it's, it's geared for high end, not low end. Yeah. I'm gearing it for 60 year pin at like 12,000 RPMs. It'll be like 120. Um, and that's still, uh, that should just burn the tires off at, right. um, at like first gear. Like I probably won't use first gear. Um, that's kind of the plan right now. I have a pinion brake on it, which I have no idea how, if that's going to be awesome or not, but it, it saved a lot of like unsprung weight out on the axles. I didn't have to run anything out there. It was just easier. Um, so it was kind of a cheat for me, but then it was also like, I don't see a lot of guys run pinion brakes. So let's try it. Uh, it's no, right. Yeah. It's like a very, I don't know what crawler thing to do. Yeah. It's cool because you get the gear reduction off of you get like one single rotor disc set up and you know maybe some of your viewers can like answer this question for me and why i'm an idiot on this but i was like you get the gear reduction through the nine inch and so um you know i can only run one rotor i don't have all that unsprung weight out you know on that out there at the wheel hubs and uh just simplified a lot of things less moving parts we'll see if it works it's all in there we'll, we'll just Yes, I, I'm going to run a shut off to it so I can just burn the rear tires off and do brake stands and stuff and just play. There you go. Yeah. Right, so is, are you doing, uh, it's rear wheel drive only, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mentally, I tackled it for a long time and I didn't know how to make it all wheel drive with a motorcycle engine, man. Just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. No, that would be a whole mess of weird transfer cases. And, and I don't know. That just seems like more of a headache than it would be. Yeah. and like the benefit of running four-wheel drive yeah. on it. would it be all-wheel drive like totally locked yeah it yeah it's drive. yeah if i was going to do it it'd be all-wheel drive um yeah so i actually made the engine bay is is big enough to fit a v8 in it if i want to so if in the end the, the hayabusa just isn't doing what i want it to do i can actually throw a small block chevy or something in it we'll do some fun stuff cool but the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm turbo in the, the Hayabusa engine. So it should be in like the mid three hundreds. And right now I think it's going to come out to be win like 1600 pounds with driver, 1700 pounds with the driver. Wow. So power That's to weight light. ratio, it looks pretty good. I don't know how well it'll handle yeah. being that light. Like I know in the rough stuff, you want it to be a little bit of weight to, to fight that inertia. But, um, yeah. I also want it to be that agile rally kind of stuff. Like I'm going to run, um, an eight inch ride height. So a lot lower, um, it's the same wheelbase and it's essentially the same wheelbase and length as a Canon X3, a two seater Canon. Um, I mimic, mimic those dimensions and then I'm just packing everything into it. Um, wow. And so it's a A arm in the rear, A arm in the front too. Yeah. Or is it, yeah. or is it a J arm? Do you have a J arm lower? In the no, it's, it's an A arm in the rear now. It okay, was going to be J. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I just recently switched that. It, it mostly because that stuck out. I had a, in order to do it, I had to have it stick out below the frame and I didn't want anything essentially underneath the frame. And so I actually cut that stuff out. So I, I went backwards, cut it out, rebox that stuff in. And then now it's an A iron suspension in the rear. Very cool. Yeah. So you got a Ford nine inch. Are you running a locker in it or is it? Yeah, just it's a full stop. No, full pool. 
and spool. Yeah. yeah so it'll be fully nice. locked. So you're going hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I don't think that I'm I don't think I could run the, I don't think I could run that pinion, uh, the pinion break with a, a locker. I don't know what that would do. One tire, it would only, I don't know what that would do. Oh, that would be. Does it go the other way? Yeah. Cause it would, it would break. It would only break. I don't know. I don't know whether, whether the, the forces of breaking would lock it up or I don't, it would I don't know come uncoupled and you would only be breaking one and one. free spooling on the other. I, I, I think that's what would happen. Some of those things knows the answer to that question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I already had this set up, um, cause I raced dirt modifieds pretty much since I was a little kid. Um, so just a lot of circle track stuff. And then this was an old third member out of one of my old cars and I already had a full spool in it. So I just had it in the shop. So like, perfect. So I just threw it nice. in there. It's ready to go. <laughs> I don't even know what gears in it right now, but I'll do the final gearing when I get the car actually running. <laughs> I was just about to ask if you, with your motors running 12,000 RPM, what kind of gear ratio do you need to run? But that kind of seems like you'll figure it out once you start driving. Um, I did the quick math the other day. Cause I, I looked up the, the gears on the Hayabusa and I think all of this end up running. I think it's like a 583 on the nine inch. And that comes out to be like 120 at 12,000 RPMs in six gear pay like paid. So I think it's gonna, it's gonna sound amazing. 12,000. That's what I think. I think it's gonna be cool. Yeah, like, yeah, if that thing goes by you doing 100 miles an hour on the dirt road, sounding like a street bike, it's going to be really cool. So it would be super confusing for whoever gears are coming. You know, apparently, that's just like my MO with builds, though, right? It's just like drive by and you just don't understand what just went by you kind of thing. And the steam of car and this car is, I just keep doing weird shit. So, um, what size tires and wheels will you run on it? I'm running an Axis. Uh, full rally, uh, like 28 inch tires. So not super big. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, so this is yeah, much different than, than what I'm doing with my truck with 37s and two feet of travel and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a freaking riot. I can't even imagine. I mean, so we all want to kind of suspension thing, travel right? to you. Yeah. We all want to go fast in the dirt and there's a that, bunch of ways it. to do it. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'll go fast exactly. to get us to where the rough stuff is. And then you, I'll jump in with you and then we'll go fast in the rough stuff. It'll, it'll work out. Man. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. How much travel do you get out of the front and rear? Um, so in the rear right now, I'm looking at 18 inches of travel. Um, I'll probably restrict that down a little bit. Um, so I'm probably going to run a strap on the rear um, and then a bump stop okay. on the way back up. Um, Probably restricted down to like seven and seven. So like 14, so off seven up, seven down. That'll save me if I bottom out all the inch of clearance on the chassis, theoretically, um, somewhere in that ballpark. And then, um, yeah, and then seven inches down, like I said, I'm not going to be going through that deep whoop stuff. So I don't think I need that full length travel to keep contact, but, um, I definitely want some where I send it off a little null. I want to. Have some, yeah. some cushion while I land on the other side. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's going to be airborne often. No, I mean, I got this, uh, there's a roller hill out here where it's a gravel road and it's, it's just straight and it just does these big rolls up and down. And I just want to be going off them and just like, you know, just freaking off the rev limit. They're just never lifting. So that's the first place I'm going. I'll probably just end up sending it out to the desert, rolling out there, but the first place I'm going. Well, you, you live in the perfect spot to be able to go and awesome. do that. I mean, it's just yeah. right there. You're in the middle of it. 
Yeah. So are you, will you be running a, an eight inch shock to get to the eight inches or how yeah, do you, um, where are the shocks mount? How do you mount them to the a arms? So right now I have it, I ended up adjusting it, um, I guess inside, outside, I ended up just kind of doing the math on it. Um, my shocks are 16 inch shocks in the rear. Um, and then I just have them pulled in so that at full compression, they're 90 degrees to the A arm to just get that kind of progressive type suspension. And then, um, and then I ended up pulling them inwards until I got that travel. So I essentially, I lose a little bit of leverage, but the car is also light. So I don't think I necessarily need all the leverage. Well, I'm just going to play it by yeah. ear, man. I, um, yeah. I'm not planning on racing this thing. I'm just going to go have fun with it. So if it, yeah, it is what it is. You know what I get? So just fig figure it out as you go. That's, that, I mean, that's another one, another car that unproven, no one else has one. Like you're just designing something that's super unique and special. And I imagine that thing will get a lot of attention on social media when you start talking about when I was a motor in it. And yeah, I mean, um, let me know what I can do to help you get some, get some Thanks, views man. on your stuff. Cause it's, yeah, it's fucking cool, man. Like yeah. what, what, what I like, I also like your Instagram posts and stuff. I like how like clean everything is. I really like neat, clean shop and bright backgrounds. And I don't know you, for whatever reason, your stuff stands out to me more than other people's, even more, more than my stuff. Cause the shops that I've been in, they're just shitty lighting and it's like dirty and it just doesn't look nice. Your stuff is really like clean and it just looks like you're doing really meticulous work on everything, which is awesome. Thanks, yeah. Um, I might be yeah. a little too OCD about it, but I, I definitely, I'm like, I'm a huge stickler on my shop being clean. Like it gets to a point where I just like stop everything. I re-clean it go back over it. Like one thing I really want to write, do is okay. epoxy my floors in there and get them kind of cleaned up so I can like mop it. I just, I, so it just gets, especially living in the desert, it's always freaking dusty out there and it drives me nuts. But you know, I'm also working on the car, so right. it is what it is. And I have a shop, so I, I'm grateful for that. So I'm not going to, I can't complain for sure. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things. I got a guy, uh, I, I painted all the murals in my shop. I spent hours doing it. But I just wanted like some color and stuff. And then uh, a friend of mine, mm -hmm. um, he's gonna come and like graffiti the whole shop. I just wanted like all this color and bright lights oh, cool. and just have this like cool vibe. And so he's been working on that for nice. me. And, um, I'm hoping that that'll be done this year. Um, he's a super talented like tattoo artist and stuff here in town. So, um, so it, yeah, it'd be good. Right on. right on. That'll be super cool. Yeah, one day when I have my shop, it's gonna be like just white walls, really bright lights. A nice clean concrete for, and then like yeah. nothing else. Like I want it to feel like, feel like you're in a showroom, except you're building something. Like you look at all the, the race teams shops where it's just like you could eat off of the floor yeah. and that's unrealistic all the, to have it look like that all the time. But like, yeah, have that as a baseline where everything is just neat and clean. Cause then I feel like I get so distracted when everything is dirty, like my head, it gets messy if everything else is messy. Yeah. So having that, that nice area to work is just. It's a dream for me. So hopefully I can make that happen in the next year or so. At the moment, my truck is sitting in a friend's shop, their garage, I mean, and I haven't touched it in four months. Yeah. Just you just summer. moved it. You so, moved it there not too long ago, right? You moved it. Yeah. I moved it. I, yeah, I had to move it. Uh, I was working with somebody else and with my day job, it just, it wasn't a good fit. I couldn't, I couldn't juggle all of it. And so I had to get out of his shop. And the only option I had at the moment was go put it in a friend's garage until I can find another 
shop that I could work out of or wait for winter to be over because I really didn't want to work on it in the snow in the driveway and ruin every, everything gets rusty and shitty and oh yeah do that. so not not a good uh, scenario but getting to the point now where winter is like slowly fading away and the days are nicer I might bring it back to the house and just crank on it yeah I don't yeah, have all the tools that the shops had, so it's just a bummer. Yeah, and you got to move up in my neck but, of the woods, man. You can pull it in my eye shot, and we'll just do them both at the same time. Yeah, right? That'd be so amazing. I, I love that part of the world. I, I'm a desert junkie. I, I think the desert's the most beautiful place. And yeah, where you live is, is uh, an amazing spot. Like, I, I think some of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen are like driving in and seeing you know, Pyramid Lake out there, the sun coming down. It just looks so like grand and beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely you get to see that every day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So one of the things I like, I've been asking people on the podcast and the main, one of the main goals of the podcast is to like figure out how did you start all of this? Like you've taken this to a really high level where you're able to put jet engines in like cars that are completely made out of sheet metal and building you know, custom off-road vehicles, Hayabusa, and like, how did all of that start? How did you, like, have you been a car enthusiast your whole life? And, you know, did you have any technical training throughout the process or is it just kind of figure it out as you go? Uh, yeah, no, I think that that's always the question with all of us, right? That are like building stuff. Um, you know, for me, it's not necessarily a crazy story. I mean, my dad is one of the most talented people that I've ever seen work on things. And I've essentially learned almost everything from him. I kind of assume a lot of your um, podcast guests are going to be in the same story where, you know, they learned it from somebody that was above them. Uh, for me, I was really fortunate to, um, you know, my dad's really mechanical in, in mind and he does a lot of mechanicing and welding and all that kind of stuff. So I've learned a lot of those like core skills from him. And then with racing, I just I had a lot of old shoes that were always above me. You know, like all my friends when I was like 12 years old were in their 60s. And they'd been working on cars and building cars and racing cars their entire lives. And so I learned a lot of like cool tricks to, you know, to design things or like understanding of suspension geometry from guys that have been doing it like their entire lives. And then I had the luxury of also being young where I could learn the new ways of doing it. Right. So I had like the old ways and the new ways kind of like coming together. Um, and I, it, 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 I was so grateful for having both of those that I, I was really open-minded to understanding that, you know, there's room to grow, there's room to be innovative and stuff with this stuff, but there's also like a reason why those guys did it the way that they did it. And like having this combination of the two. Um, and so I, I think I wrote it down on a piece of paper when I was like six years old, but I was like, you know, the classic, what are you going to do when you grow up kind of thing? And, and I wrote down, like, I'm going to be a mechanical engineer, but it was, and that was driven off of the idea that I wanted to gain more of that knowledge to keep building cool things. Like it was always in the background, I'm always building something. Right. And, um, and so I did, you know, I graduated high school. I went, um, to the university of Nevada in Reno and, um, got uh, a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering, did my industry stuff. Um, you know, I'm obviously still an engineer, but it, it was one of those things that that didn't necessarily give me, you know, being an engineer is bullshit really. Right. But it was, it was one of those things that it gave me that knowledge of like, there's a lot of shit that's really hard to figure out. And I, you know, it's a really hard course to go through. And a lot of times in that course, I felt like I was the dumbest guy in the world 
but I like it, I kept pushing, I kept figuring it out. And so now I'm to the point where I'm like, you know, Jim's like, Hey, I want to put a jet engine in this thing. I'm like, okay, let's figure it out. Like, I don't ever say no to anything. So there's always an answer. Um, and so a combination of like how I grew up, how I was raised, um, you know, all the credits to my dad, uh, my brother's the same way, you know, like that kind of, that kid is just always building stuff too. Um, and, and then combined with that, that newfound knowledge when I was in college that I, I could, anything that I want to do, I can do, like, it's all in my control that those two mindsets right there coming together is, I think what's given me a good, good feet underneath me to be able to do these projects or at least gotcha. Or this like crazy confidence that I shouldn't have to do them. I don't really know which one it is, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things, right? Like I, I'm having fun regardless, right? Whether they're total pieces of shit or not, like I'm I'm stoked, right? Sure. So, yep. Well, I think the thing that I'm hearing you say is it wasn't the training; it was a mindset that you went into the stuff with that has allowed you to take on these big projects and figure it out, and so. You know, I'm not an engineer. I got a degree in finance and I work in the oil and gas industry doing trading and I'm like an analyst type person and so far removed from any of this stuff. But I just love cars and I, I'm the same way as you. It was like, I love building stuff and I've always had a project going or like yeah. five. And it's yeah. that, it's that pro problem solving thing. It's like, that's exactly. what I want to do. I don't know how to get there, but I have the internet and I yeah, can and friends, someone out Instagram. there knows how to do it and friends. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, it's the, it's the problem solving thing, that mindset of, I don't know how yet that gets you through these projects. And then you just start accumulating these skills to the point where you can put jet engines in cars and, oh, I could do that. Yeah. Or I don't know how, but I'm gonna, and yeah. that's how I walked into the, when the, this project with the Tacoma is like, you know, I, so the, the, the shop that I was in originally, uh, with a guy named Donnie Herbert. So I, I had bought the wreck truck and decided to fix it up in my driveway. Didn't know what I was doing, figured it out. And then I was learning, I was like, all right, now I need to learn how to fabricate. Like I don't know how to welds. I've never done any of this stuff. Um, and so I was going to like a metal supply store, just in, pick into their scrap bins just to get stuff to practice. And I walk outside and there's this guy walking around my truck and um, he's like, this yours? Start talking to him. Turns out he's a fabricator. He builds like uh, trophy trucks and you know, he's, he's got a bunch of cool projects, hot rods and, and he became a friend and invited me to come into his shop and became a mentor of mine. And somehow you just find these people that are interested in what you're interested in and can like guide you through the process. And also I. As I was talking to him, like, I don't know whether I'm going to back half this thing or whether I'm going to keep the stock frame rails and run links. And his knowledge was like, just, just cut the back of the truck off. Like you'll figure, you'll it, figure out. it out. <laughs> like, there's five <laughs> trucks. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, there, there's, there's these trucks right here that are run exactly the same suspensions, a little bit different platform as what you're going to do. Just go study them, go look at them, go play with them. And yeah, you know, he mentored me and I went from like totally afraid to do this stuff to I'm cutting my car in half and building this cage and, and welding all the stuff within like six months. And anybody can do that. Like I am not, I have no technical training in any of this crap. 
it's just you want to do it figure it out and you know i think that's that's the skill set that's i mean that's the hack to, to learning how to build cars is like just do it and run yeah. into a problem and figure out how to fix that problem and run into yeah. another problem and fix that problem yeah eventually you build something cool that people start paying attention to and i mean your stuff obviously people are paying attention to it because you know it's very weird in like the best way possible I appreciate it's so that. unique that yeah thank you yeah it's so unique that that people are going to remember it when it's in, you say it's, you know you know that car that's jet powered that has you know it's electric drive like oh yeah i saw that it was at SEMA. whatever and then doors start to open and so that's been the fun part for me is going from like nobody working in my driveway to like getting some sort of street cred just because i was documenting the process of building this truck and i had no idea yeah. what i was doing yeah, and no, I love I love your project. That's mm-hmm. a fun. I mean, you. Yeah, it's, and fortunately, it's sitting in someone's garage at the moment. But I'll get it fixed. I mean, I mean, you're doing the same thing that I that I'm doing. It's just you're having fun and documenting it on Instagram and YouTube, and and you've got you. I was watching the the send cut send videos of uh, mounting the brake pedal. Yeah, in your truck, and and I'm like, man, this guy is a great personality on camera like it's super entertaining you should definitely like lean hard into that because you're you're you have a great presence oh man i appreciate you're that good at explaining things it was really it was informative and, and and entertaining some some people do the videos like that that are just really dry but you've i was super engaged and excited to watch the whole thing and i want to go back through and watch all of your stuff now perfect yeah no i'm so happy to hear that man it's funny like with those videos that's yeah, as we talk about, you know, like doing things that you don't know how to do, that was a disaster when I first started. It's like, essentially, uh, like Jim was like, hey, like, do you want to do these technical videos? Because this is like, I already have the knowledge on like designing, you know, sheet metal goods. And I was willing to say yes to everything. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do them. And at the beginning, they were all scripted a little bit, like, especially with the technical ones, we were trying to hit specific words. It would take us like an hour and 20 minutes to shoot a freaking three minute video. It was a nightmare. And then it got to a point where I was like, screw having a script. Let me just talk. And like, we'll talk through it. Maybe I have to talk through it yeah. three different times, but I'll get it because I'm trying to be too precise right now. Um, and so I've learned to do that thing. And that kind of goes back to what you were just saying, which, you know, like you didn't know exactly what you wanted to do. And then you, you met your mentor and then he was like, just cut the back off. And I think that that's like the best advice when somebody's like trying to get into it. It's just like, take the first step. And then the second step is going to present itself to you, right? And you're going to be like, oh, well, this is the second step. And you're like, oh, well, this is the third step. And it's like one step at a time. You don't look at the top of the stairs. You look at the next step and you just keep kind of picking away because the top of the stairs will discourage you from even starting because like some of them are so long or projects, right? That you can't even, um, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel at the beginning. And so it freaks you out. It gives you anxiety. Like you just don't know how you're going to get this thing done. And that's the, you know, a lot of people, like even on Instagram, like I don't have a huge following on Instagram. Um, I probably should be better about, about posting. Um, you know, it's just a work life family balance. Right. And this, you know, yeah. I've spent a lot of time with my kid and sure. stuff. And so when I do go out in the shop, I'm just like, I'm focused. I jam on it. And then I'm like, shit, I should have, I should have documented that. But it, the big thing on Instagram that I always get is like, oh, I wish I could do that. I'm like, you can't. Like anybody can. Like, you know, if you don't have the skills now, that's fine. Like nobody has the skills to start. Like 
you know, you, I, I sure shit didn't know how to weld since that day I was born, or I didn't know how to like design a bracket, but like, I only know that because I was willing to be like, I need to make a bracket. And then I like tried it and I probably messed yeah. up. And then I tried it again and I got a little bit better. And now that I've made a thousand brackets, you know, I can kind of hit it from across the room now, but I also kind of know what I'm looking for. Um, but that started with that first step. Right. And so I, like, like you said, when he said, like, just cut it off and figure it out, like you'll figure it out. I'm like, that's exactly it, man. Like that's the whole entire key to the entire right. thing is like being open to just starting. And then once you start, it just, it, it, it becomes right. so obvious moving forward. Right. I know. I'd, and it, it's scary to like make, make those big moves, but as soon as you do, it just kind of opens up the world and you're like, all right, I have no other option other than to, you know, in my case, rebuild the back of the truck. And so that's the journey that I'm on is like, let's yeah. learn how to do that. Let's learn how to set up the suspension, how to mount the links. You know, understand the suspension travel, how much clearance I need. And it's fun. Like you look at all these trucks and it, I, I've always looked at them like, how do those work? Like, why do they work the way they work? How do they set them up? And you get to learn that and you get to do it yourself. And yeah. I mean, yours is a little bit different because you're kind of making it up, but you're like basing that off of like rally car stuff and like the same wheelbase as a Canon X3. So, you know, that it's going to have like a similar wheelbase. It's going to handle the yeah. same, but. I don't know, man. It's just, it's fun. I, yeah. It's scary. Don't get me wrong. And it's a money pit. And yeah. Yeah. Well, but I, mean, I, I can't imagine anybody that's in the like, car game knows. Like, it's, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be a money pit the second you get and in the cars. Like I'm starting this car club thing. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm starting this car club thing. And the whole idea behind it is like, this is a non-traditional car club. It's one that rather than going like doing the cars and coffee thing on the weekend in a parking lot, like I want people like you to come on podcasts like this to talk about these projects. And so we can hear, you know, behind the scenes of how that actually happened, because you go on Instagram and you see the beautiful cars and the beautiful projects, like that's super interesting, but like, who's the mind behind that? How did they learn the skills? How do like, what motivates them? Where does the creativity come from? And so I want to be able to like collect knowledge and create inspiration for people. And then also like I've partnered with a bunch of different automotive brands to like make things cheaper. Like if you're part of the club, 20% off on method race wheels. If you need brakes set up like Alcon brakes, 15% off of those. And those are Alcon makes stuff for like GT cup cars. And I'm going to, I'm hopefully I'm going to try to get one of the guys from Alcon brakes to come on the podcast to talk about like super high performance stuff. And I just, I've been really nervous to do this podcast. I'm being honest. Like, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, um, but I couldn't have, couldn't think of anything more fun than just talking to people that are into the same thing that I am. And hopefully that can help other people too. And they get some inspiration for it from it and see where it goes. Like, and you know, it's just another project to work on. It's a totally yeah. online project, but it's, it's super fun. Well, I can't work on my truck, you know, and, but. Like what's, what's the next project that you're working on? You obviously are in the middle of the Hayabusa thing, but I imagine you have another project that you're thinking about in the future too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I already got my next project that's sitting in the shop right now. It's just, um, so. Oh, is it? Uh, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. My next one is, uh, so I actually got my dad's, um, 54 Bel Air is sitting in the shop right now and it's, it's been sitting in a field 
Nice. Um, like he bought that car. It was his first car, um, sitting in the field. They, they moved recently and instead of moving that car and he didn't really know what to do with it, I'm like, can I, can I bring it in the shop kind of thing? And, um, so yeah, definitely the next project is going to be that I'm definitely not going to do a lot of custom stuff. I essentially just want to get that thing back to daily driver shape and stuff. So it's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, he did a lot of modifications cause like, uh, like I said, it, he does a lot of fabrication. Um, so he's already, uh, he had already updated the whole front yep. clip and stuff on that. Um, I'm probably going to end up putting like maybe a nine inch in it just to get a little bit more bumps in the rear. Yeah. Um, but I, I mostly just want to get that thing back up and running. So that'll definitely be the next project. Um, I, I actually, I'm cool. It, it's, uh, I, a little bit nervous about it, but I ended up, I bought a CNC mill. And so that's, that's coming in the next um, week. Um, so I got to get off and going. And, uh, yeah, I want to do, um, <laughs> it's just, I, I ran CNC mills a lot in my past. Um, yeah, like for five years, I was like a, like a, a designer and manufacturer at the same time. And so like I ran, I made, I designed the parts, worked with the customer and then I made the parts, you know, on the mill. So like, I know how to run them. Um, so I bought this old, like 1994 Haas mills and, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll nice. get here in one piece and be running stuff. But, um, yeah, it's going to be doing a lot of stuff like that, you know, making uprights and stuff for the, the race car. Um, I still see this Hayabusa build being, um, like an, uh, like an ever going process, right? Like I got that pinion brake in the rear. I don't know if it's going to work. And so with the SEMA build, we kind of, we, we learned a lot of things and I don't know how much we're going to revisit that car in all honesty. Um, it's still a little bit up in the air. Um, but with this Hayabusa car, I kind of imagine that all I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it run. And then all of a sudden I'm going to be like, never mind. I want a V8 in it. And I'm going to pull that out, cut a bunch of bars out, you know, fit a V8 in or something like that, you know? So, um, I kind of see that's kind of where that a combination of that and then that 54 um i i'm not like a i i like to be different a little bit with my designs so the 54 is is slightly like kind of buying parts and putting it together and just like cleaning things up and i'm not that's not really my style it just doesn't kind of i don't know get yeah. me off you know on you know float my boat really and so i always want to be building something so sure I'll, I'll definitely, I think the, the Hayabusa build, I'm still trying to figure out a name for that car. I don't know. I was thinking about like a, like a straight up like stripper name or something, but I haven't been able to figure out a good <laughs> ones, but uh, I definitely want a, a good go. name for that car, but I haven't, I haven't come up with anything. So we can think of some name it. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, I do want to touch on something though, is that that SEMA car, um, sure. definitely wasn't a hundred percent me. Right. So like I did 99% yeah. of the CAD work. Um, but the design was me, but with a team, um, you know, there was five or six of us kind of with the overall, you know, like Jim, you know, Jim was like the top of the list, right. Where he was like, he essentially started the process. He had the overall view of the car. Like that was definitely his baby when it comes to like what the car looked like, um, how it ended up turning out. Um, you know, drew, like I said, drew miles, he did the wheels, but like, he was the one that came up with the gapping of those, those panels and stuff. And so I definitely want to make sure that they get recognition that, you know, I did the CAD work. I, you know, I put in a lot of work on that thing and it's definitely like a, definitely a very, very close to heart project for me. I was like one of the bigger builds that I've done and completed. 
but um you know it was there was hands on deck you know everybody at Senka send really like you know um every person that's on every operation there worked their tails off because you know we were making a car but at the same time we were making everybody else's parts and so you know people were working overtime to just like push the cars through so that it didn't affect lead times like you know like anybody else's parts and um it was definitely one of those things so it was a shout out to the you know the entire Suncut Sun crew on that one that you know i might be here talking about it but um i'm just essentially a body talking about it where you know it was a big team effort so yeah i can imagine it takes quite a team to pull that off and have it ready to go in such a short amount of time i mean you're like what 250 ish hours maybe less than that into yeah. it that's nothing when it in comparison to some of the other cars that show up at SEMA that are years worth and you know i mean mine i'm thousands of hours into it and it's it just rolls oh yeah so it's super impressive that you guys were able to pull that off that, that quickly yeah i think and that has a lot to do with this iterations and stuff the hayabusa that thing is i'm thousands of hours into that thing it's um i you know i've redone it and gone back and forth and stuff where I think that that team, we'd sit down and we're like, this is what we want to do. And then I would go do it. And that was like the key to that, where we had a lot more direction because we'd like make a decision and we just move forward with that decision, make a decision, move forward with it. Um, and there was a lot of minds coming up with how we were doing it. And so, you know, um, the electric motor, it was like found and source and stuff. I didn't do a lot of that stuff. I was just essentially like given models for it, put it in the design, designed around it. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of thinking that me and you were doing on our personal projects that I didn't necessarily have to do with yeah. the Cena build. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it's cool, man. <laughs> Hopefully I get to see it one day in person. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. we're going to start like kind of touring it around. Um, cool. It's, it's uh, uh, we're still working, you know, um, on the content side of Senka 10 on like what we're doing with that car. Um, but yeah, oh, I'd love to see that thing. You know, not just at Senko Sand right now, but kind of being seen around. So yeah, for sure. If you're in so, Reno, you just give me a call and I'll show it to you. Okay, <laughs> cool. So for people that uh, want to use your services, how how does that work? How are with you guys, Senko Sand, you guys cut? Yeah, like, tell, what's the process for having parts laser cut? Okay, yeah. So there's um. There's, I guess, three main ways to use our service, right? So if you're a CAD user, if you're using Fusion um, or SolidWorks or any of those, uh, SolidWorks is about to have a plugin. So you'll be able to actually go straight from SolidWorks straight to Sun's website, just like everything else. So if you have a sheet metal part and you can like click the plugin, it'll automatically quote it in there. Um, we're, we're finalizing that, you know, that's a big thing that we were talking about in SEMA and it's, it's really close now. We're, we're dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Um, but generally speaking, what you want is a flat pattern. So um, a DXF file is preferred. So it's a 2D vector file. So a computer file that's all in 2D shape. Um, you, you can get that from pretty much any of the CAD softwares that are out there. And so when you have that, you can drag and drop that DXF file straight on the website. It'll upload. Um, you just want to check your dimensions. And then all you have to do is just drill down your materials. If you have bend lines, you can configure your bends. If you have holes in it, um, you can click on those holes. You can add tapping to them, countersinking um, hardware, and it'll actually auto size those holes for you. Um, so you don't have to be per, like super precise. So if you have a, a 0.25 hole, but you actually want it to be a quarter 20, so that'd be like a 201 drill. 
um, if you click on that hole and select that, we'll change it to 201 for you. Like you don't have to like worry about like oh, the, nice. the tap size. Um, so we've made it as easy as possible. And then when you drill down through all your post processes, you'll see all the pricing there, you can change your, um, your quantities and then just add it to your cart. And then you can move on to your next part or go ahead and order. Um, and that's for people with CAD, um, people that don't use CAD. Um, we actually, we're very close right now. It'll be in the next month or so, but we're going to start accepting that you can send us a cardboard template. And so you can reach out to us through a design service team. Um, we'll send you a shipping label. You send us your template. We'll reverse that template for you. When you buy your parts, we send you just your template and the parts right back to you, just like everything else. Um, and then if you don't have a template, but you have a hand drawing, you can still fill out that same form. It'll come to us as long as it has all the dimensions. It's super straightforward. We'll do the reversal for you um, and give you a quote for those parts. And all you have to do is order your parts. Um, super quick and easy. So yeah, so for all the old shoes out there that, you know, they're used to, you know, measuring things out, I can do a little hand sketch. All they have to do is go on the website. Um, like I said, it's not live yet. It might be when the podcast comes out. I'm not really sure when, um, but in the month from now, from when we're talking right now, uh, you should see where you can go on the front page and where you can drag and drop. You'll start seeing design services there. If you click on that, cool. it'll take you to a page. Um, so for your viewers that don't use CAD, if they want to use the service, um, just keep an eye out for that. Um, it'll be a big announcement. Cool. So that was the biggest thing that we learned from SEMA is that cool. you need to get in touch with those guys. <laughs> well, that's, that's really nice that you, that you can just send a cardboard template in or a drawing yep. that's huge because I think a lot of people, if they're making just a couple parts, it doesn't make sense, make sense for them to go and learn how to use fusion 60, 360 or pay for it. And yeah. so that's a killer service. Awesome. man. And then for your stuff, your personal projects, how do people get to check that stuff out? Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much just on Instagram right now. I don't, I guess I try to spend as little time on social media and more time in the shop. Um, but, um, Holland underscore bill is my Instagram handle. They can come check me out there, shoot me a message if they have questions, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and then also on Senkut Sen's, um, YouTube page, there's a Holland built mm -hmm. section. Um, so Senkut Sen is essentially sponsoring YouTube videos that are following like detailed builds. So like you mentioned earlier, my brake pedal mount, I, I essentially did a detailed version of like how I went about doing tab and slot and bending with Senkut Sen. Um, so if they're a little apprehensive about using Sankat Sand or they have like kind of questions, each one of those videos for the most part is hitting like an actual point, right? So if we're adding hardware, I like, there's a video that I just go over hardware. There's a video that I just go over, you know, tapping that kind of stuff. Um, and so they're, they're kind of informative, but it's also following my projects. So it's kind of dual purpose. So yeah. 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 Sankat Sand's YouTube page and then Instagram, Holland underscore built. Um, it's a awesome man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I really appreciate cool. it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. It's been a lot of fun talking with you and something tells me this won't be the last time that we chat on here. Anytime, man. I'd I love think. to talk more. <laughs> cool. I think I have a lot to learn from you. So yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for watching and we will catch you in the next one. Thanks a lot, Jake. Yeah. Thank you, man.